This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week 11 of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show. We would really appreciate it on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into it. We're recording this on November 18th, 2021, before Thursday Night Football with the Patriots and Falcons. But first, what were your fantasy impressions coming out of the Rams at the 49ers game on Monday night? Man, um, the 49ers offense really gave me a performance that I truly needed to win my matchup. Um, really putting the stomping on that Rams defense. That was what was really impressive to me. I think the way the 49ers played that entire game, it never really seemed close at all. So um, that's kind of my two cents from that game. They really out them to begin the game. And then the Rams never really kind of matched that aggression. And for two weeks, they've been pretty well beaten up by the Titans and the 49ers two teams that we didn't think necessarily could match the Rams's talent level. I think if you remember back to last year, especially when the Rams were doing really well, and I, I think there was a Thursday night game where Cam Akers went off against the Patriots or something like that, and the Rams were uh, riding really high at the time, that for the rest of the year, they kind of got out by a lot of teams. Even in that the couple of playoff games that they had, they kind of got out by Seattle, but somehow pulled that one out through a lot of better defensive plays than what Seattle had at the time. And they got really roughed up about, against Green Bay, really sucking up against the run uh, in most of that one. Even though that contest was closer, you never, never really felt like they were going to win that game per se. And a lot can be blamed on Jared Goff, but looking at the last couple of weeks, Matthew Stafford doesn't look like he's completely healthy, and maybe that's part of the reason that he's had such down weeks, but he's had less than 16 points in the last two games. Yeah, um, from being the clear-cut MVP favorite to now kind of, he's not really in that conversation anymore, at least not conversations that I've ever had. Um, It is kind of crazy to see the falloff. We know how talented of a quarterback Matt Stafford is. We saw him at least two times a year now for the past however many years it was, we know how good he is. Um, I think he bounces back. Maybe it's health. I personally haven't heard of anything about the health. So I don't know if you know something that I don't, Uh, but he's too good of a talent not to bounce back. I don't really know how productive that offense is going to be without Robert Woods. I kind of think he's one of those glue guys, something that keeps everything together. And you saw Cooper cup. It didn't really phase him one way or another, but I think losing Robert Woods is going to be more problematic for them than they think. And OBJ can't fix that because it's something that he had with that team chemistry wise and all that other stuff, just knowing the offense as well as he did. I think they're going to miss Robert Woods. I would wonder what your MVP list looks like if he's not on it even currently, because of the top five candidates, Tom Brady lost the last two weeks in last weekend against Washington, or excuse me, he's lost two games in a row, two out of the last three weeks. They had a buy in between. So coming off of the buy and losing at the Washington football team is a little bit embarrassing. What we expect out of Tampa Bay after last season, you look at Lamar Jackson had a dud against Miami Kyler Murray hasn't played the last two weeks, and the last time we saw him, he lost a game. And then you look at uh, Matt Stafford. He's lost the last two weeks. Now he's going to be on a bye. Or I think uh, what would be the only other person even in in consideration? I I really don't know who the MVP is right now because nobody is really late claim to that award. But that being said, you got on a a point I was going to make. Cooper Cup continues to – 
be really dynamic, regardless of the situation, time, health status of his quarterback. He just is a dynamic playmaker and proving himself to be the number one wide receiver in football. 11 catches, 122 yards, 13 targets. But the other pass catchers in this game that at least were dominant to me, you got a lot of conversation out of Odell Beckham on the first night that he was there. He only had 15% of the snaps. They went to him early on a deep route that got intercepted. And I think that really kind of established the tone of the game where the Rams kind of felt like the field tilted in the 49ers favor. So some people were blaming Odell. I don't know really how that could be given that he just was not on the field and not a factor for a lot of the game, but the other receivers that had a big impact on the game, George Kittle, again, five catches, 50 yards, a touchdown Debo Samuel coming out of the backfield, which was a weird wrinkle by them on Monday night, uh, being basically a running back for the 49ers. Five carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown. He also had five catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown for 30 overall fantasy points. I would dare say that both of them are probably in the elite category, at least moving forward, if the 49ers continue to throw the ball like this uh, for the last stretch run of this year. And given that their schedule is supposed to be one of the easiest going into the fantasy playoffs here. No, it's no, I mean, you pretty much summed it all up. I, I guess if there's it's one fun. point that I did it, that I did want to touch on, I just didn't want to go on a tangent about it. But you mentioned Cooper Cup. I think he is the MVP right now. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. My number two, even though he's hurt, I would say Derrick Henry. He's just been that damn good. And especially if he comes back, I think if he comes back, they're optimistic that he'll be back in January, by the beginning of January. If so... I think with the numbers that he has right now, I think he could still be in the MVP category by missing the handful of games that he could be in. You know, so I think it really is a super weird year where it's one of those years too where we don't even know who the favorite to win the Super Bowl is this year. There is no, this is a weird year where there is no knowns. You go in it week to week, you don't know who's going to win. So, yeah, I mean, Matt Stafford, sure. You could throw him in there. He's just not up there for me, especially with the last two games and especially with as much talent and the expectations that they have. I would just I just grade him a little bit harder than like the Tom Brady's of the world. You know, his favorite target has been out for the last couple of weeks. Mike Evans has a bad foot that he's been dealing with. Antonio Brown has been out. I don't want to give him a pass, but he's not even supposed to be doing what he's doing at the age he's doing at. And That's I'm true. probably I'm, one of the biggest Tom Brady haters that there is. And if I'm giving him credit, he's got to be doing something right. No, I mean, he's been excellent most of the season, but I'm just saying from an MP, MVP standpoint, if you're going based on a, just a totality of the horse race, all of the guys that have been suggested or in the upper echelon of the MVP race. And Tom Brady is probably still number one, given that I think he, uh, well, maybe he's number one or number two in passing yards this season, or I, th- I know he's in the top five, and that's just ridiculous by itself. But the amount of air success that they had early on this season and how well that offense was clicking. I think, though, the last couple of games that they had as duds really put on a few question marks in his total resume. And again, it's been a couple of weird weeks. It's not that it's just Tom Brady. Uh, that's why I mentioned to say, Lamar Jackson's also had it. Stafford's had it. Kyler Murray's had it. I mean, you look at any one of them, and I think they've all had some down weeks. I think it would be an exceptional thing if Cooper Cup somehow got that. I think right now he would be the front runner for Offensive Player of the Year. I don't know if he'd necessarily get MVP because we've never had a, a uh, wide receiver win MVP, but he's making a similar case to what Devontae Smith did last year for the Heisman Award in going for that. I, I just don't know if voters would vote on an MVP the way they understand it for a wide receiver. I think it's more likely that Jonathan Taylor would actually receive more uh, votes potentially than Cooper cup for the MVP. Yeah. I don't know why he skipped my mind too, but you know, I'm not the traditionalist where it's like, it's gotta be a quarterback, you know, with the way that the league has been this year, I think it could be, you know what, throw him a damn bone, give it to Cooper cup, give it to Jonathan Taylor, give it to Derek Henry. Like I don't really give a shit at that point in time because they've all been just exceptional so far this year. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't have a problem giving it to a non quarterback if they proved their 
metal overall. And given in this year where the quarterback play is so even among a lot of teams, and yet we've seen some really up and down games from a lot of them, particularly given the fact that we've had a lot of this cover two look that's limited a lot of their explosive plays. I wouldn't have a problem giving it to a guy that's having an exceptional season and maybe the best wide receiver season of all time, just personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then let's look forward to week 11. What is the number one thing you're looking forward to this weekend? Week 11. Honestly, I'm looking forward to the Cardinals. What are they going to do? Um, injury wise, it looked like Kyler practiced today. Nuke still didn't, but they're kind of a team that's reeling and they have a decent matchup this week against Seattle. That's also looking to, I guess I'm giving a little preview of my game of the week, but they're also looking to bounce back as well. So I think those two teams I'm really excited to see. As a Packers fan, I get up for really two games a year, and it's always Vikings week. I don't know why. I know everybody says the historic rivalry is with the Bears, but the Bears have stunk for so long, with the exception of a year here or there. Occasionally you'll get to like an NFC championship game or the year they got to the Super Bowl, they had like a really great defense. But even then... I think there was one year during the Dick Duran years with Chicago that they went like 14 and two, but their two losses were against green Bay. We just never have had a problem with the bears since at least I've been a fan, the team that always gave us fits and the quarterbacks that used to just ruin my day as a kid, Dante Culpepper, Randall Cunningham, Brad Johnson, Gus Farratt. I mean, just these journeyman quarterbacks that are all over the place, but somehow come in and play for Minnesota and were able to ruin my Sundays year after year. And we've had their number for the most part this decade, for the most part. But even so, there's just this hatred that I have for the Vikings that I have for no other team in the NFL. Yeah, I respect that. And I agree 100%. I, I don't like the Vikings. I don't like their fans. I don't like the way they they talk and, you um, know, especially for a team that's never won anything. So and you know what I hate most of all? That stupid fucking horn. And my dad taunts me with it anyway. Doesn't matter. So let's get to the news. Then Uh, Nick Chubb has yet to be cleared for this weekend. Would you keep Dearness Johnson in the starter spot until we know anything further? I mean, he's given you no reason at all to pull him out of there. It's he's for me, it's he's kind of even if I was a coach, you know, he'd be forcing my hand a little bit to try to figure out a way to get three running backs of football when they're all healthy. He's been that good. So, yeah, if he's not if he's not healthy and ready to go, absolutely. He's going to be in my lineup. Yeah. And they're playing the Lions. So I think whoever is the whomever is the starter is going to get a lot of points. I don't know what Nick Chubb's going to be coming back from COVID either. I think I might even take a flyer on Dearness Johnson as a flex play this week. I mean, if he hasn't been cleared yet, and Demetric Felton was already cleared, he could have been cleared if he, since he's vaccinated, he doesn't have to wait the 10 days that Aaron Rodgers did. I have to think that he's going to have some problems with the COVID coming off of it. And so Dearness Johnson might earn more carries in this game just by default. And if that's going to be the case, and maybe he won't be the only back that's going to be there because Felton, as I said, was cleared for this game, but Kareem Hunt's already been ruled out. So that's not going to be in play. And you've seen what Dearness Johnson can do when he gets the primary amount of ball care or carries behind that offensive line. So I absolutely think that you can make a, a credible case to at worst put him as a flex. And if Nick Chubb is not cleared going into the weekend, or if he's cleared late, like on Saturday or something, I just don't know if I would be hopeful of what Nick Chubb can do by Sunday with the conditioning that he's going to need. Cause when you're a quarterback, it's one thing if you haven't practiced for two weeks and you don't have a lot of conditioning, it's another thing when you're a running back and you're expected to rip off long runs. Russell Wilson was back last week, but had a lot of issues getting going against the green Bay defense. Was this one bad week or a sign of larger issues with the Seattle offense? You know, I mean, it's his throwing hand. You know, it's his middle finger on his throwing hand. That's a very, very important. Uh, the weather's only going to get colder. I kind of see an issue with it until he forces you not to. If you have better options on your on your lineup, I would I would look for that unless you're forced into playing him. But 
right now, I don't feel good about it. There were a lot of errant throws that were really high or really low. And I don't think those were rust throws. I think it's like my finger is not a hundred percent where it should be throws. So yeah, for me, Russell Wilson, I, I think it is a sign of a larger thing until he's a hundred percent healthy. I agree with all of that, but I'll go even a one step further. I do think that there are systematic problems with the offense at large, not just because he's missing passes. Cause there were a lot of places he left open on the field, but they just have almost completely abandoned the running game and it just doesn't work as an offense with what they're doing right now. They have no identity as, as a team and really don't know exactly what they're supposed to be doing overall. It, it looks like a offense that's just kind of going with the flow every game. And that's never going to be a good sign. I think it's kind of the stage of a quarterback's career, especially a good quarterback when they get so much confidence and control in their offense that they kind of audible out of all of the calls that are supposed to be game planning and kind of go with what they feel and become essentially the play caller in chief. You've seen this with Brett Favre had it back in the day. He had to get a coach that basically reined him in and all of his instincts in. Aaron Rodgers had this for a period of time until Matt LaFleur came in and he had to get somebody that could kind of bring him back into the fold and give him more limited options at the the line of scrimmage. You've seen this from other quarterbacks before as well. I don't have their names off the tip of my tongue here, but I just think that Russell Wilson needs a attitude and ego check a little bit and to figure out a different offense because they brought in a guy that was supposed to be bringing the Rams offense with him and they don't run anything close to what the Rams do offensively. So I really have no idea what they think they're supposed to be doing. And yes, I'll probably still be starting DK Metcalf, obviously. But after that, I just, you take your chances with Tyler Lockett and I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say that Russell Wilson is a startable fantasy quarterback right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. I, I don't think he's startable right now until he gives you a reason to start him. So Antonio Gibson produced his first decent game in months last weekend against the best run defense in football. Can we now feel confident in starting him and specifically over J.D. McKissick? Yeah, I mean, he seems healthy now. We, we all know he used to play wide receiver in, in college, so I don't think that is an issue, pass catching and everything like that. So J.D. McKissick will just be kind of a chains of pace guy. I don't really think he'll be taking any targets away. So, yeah, if he's healthy, uh, Gibson had a great year last year. I can look for him to continue that when healthy this year. Washington strategically had its bye week before last weekend, and so you could see Gibson getting over 24 carries in that game, and I think he got a couple of targets as well. I really do think that they're going to use him as the primary again. Is it necessarily going to be to great success? I don't know. Uh, That offense has a lot of problems with it, but he was able to get in the end zone twice, which I think is the biggest deal of all. And if he continues to be a goal lineback, he's at least flex usable, if not at worst a running back too. He's never going to hit the ceiling that you probably drafted him at in the second round, but he could be a valuable asset down the stretch if you've been able to make it this far without him being at least a decent option going forward. Finally, the Cardinals... You mentioned Kyler practice today. I hadn't seen that. I didn't think he did, but Hopkins has not practiced this week either. What's your level of panic on the Cardinals offense? I don't really think I'm all that worried. And as some of you may know, I have both of these. Yeah. I mean, as some of you may know, I have both of these guys on my team and I'm kind of okay with them getting fully healthy for the long run later on in the season. I would much rather have nuke be a hundred percent healthy than have like a Julio situation where he just kept coming back way too early and the hamstring never got better. Like get better, come back and be a hundred percent with Kyler. It does sound like he's going to go this week uh, with the ankle. So, you know, it's been almost three weeks for him. So you got to imagine that that is okay, but just the way he plays. Yeah. It's interesting, but if he's healthy, you're putting him in your lineup. You know, with Nuke, I, I, don't, I don't know, actually. I, I've kind of thought about it back and forth. I don't know. Maybe you give him a week. But, Kyler, you know for sure you're starting. Yeah, I kind of want to use this to open up the Nuke Hopkins discussion. I think by name recognition and what he used to be and his levels of target share, 
he was an obvious uh, at at one time, at least number one wide receiver in fantasy. I don't think that's the case anymore. There are so many options in that Cardinals offense and Kyler really does a good job of spreading the ball out. And given the patterns that he often runs, which are limited to one space on the field for probably, I want to say like 75 to 80% of them, he just hasn't been getting the ball as much. I think what saved most people's bacon from where he was drafted and his projected status is that he got into the end zone a lot to begin this year, which yes, he's been a good red zone option before, but I don't know if I would necessarily rely on him getting into the end zone every single week in order to make my nut. Is his elite status done? Is he one of these guys that's name, but not necessarily the sizzle behind it? Nah, man, I think you're too early. I think you're too early, just like you were with Zeke as well. Even with what he was doing, you know, and what I mean, even with what the other guys were doing, when Nuke Hopkins is healthy, he's demanding targets and he is he's being productive. I'm seeing first game of the year already this year, you know, he had eight targets, six grabs for two touchdowns and even games where he was hurt, he's still pulling in touchdowns. I just think he's that important of a red zone target, but he is still putting up the yardage as well, you know, getting 60 to a hundred yards each and every game. So I think he's still a big, important part of that, that offense. And I think because of the contract as well, they believe in him as well. So I think you're still a little too early on Nuke, and I, I do think that he'll come back and, and be pretty productive. All right, then let's go to the, our games of the week. I have the Cowboys and the Chiefs. I think this is a game where two teams in different spots that both need a win, the Chiefs seem to be rebounding. They had three straight wins against the Giants, the Packers, and the uh, Raiders on Sunday night in that absolute shellacking. And I think most people are expecting their offense to just be back now. And the Cowboys defense has been okay, but they forced a lot of turnovers. And at other times they've given up a lot of yards and points. So I think this could be a potentially high scoring game, but the Cowboys need to stay in the race for the number one seed as well and maintain their status as one of these upper echelon teams. So I think this is a game that both of them need. I think this is a game that couldn't feature a lot of points. That has me intrigued. What's your game of the week, sir? My game of the week is, like I said earlier, is going to be Arizona versus Seattle. Uh, Arizona is two and a half favorites at Seattle. I think it's kind of, like I said, Arizona, they're coming off of not really their best little stretch of football. They're finally getting guys healthy. Seattle's fighting for their lives right now, that three and six. Like they need to go on a run and they need this game bad. I think Arizona also wants to let people know that they're still one of the top teams in the NFC. So I got Arizona and Seattle. All right. Upsets of the week. I'm going to go back to the exact same game I started with. I'm going to take Dallas two and a half point dog at Kansas City. I just think Dallas is the better team right now, and a lot of people are expecting Kansas City to continue continue this offensive run against them. I just don't necessarily think that Kansas City is completely corrected because of one performance. I think it's going to take several of them, and they're going to need to show the patience and progress that they've made over the last couple of weeks in order to be the dynamic team that we know that they can be. Because if they just come out slinging and trying to take big shots early in the game, this Dallas defense has already proven that it can pick off passes, make turnovers, uh, get to the quarterback, even without some of their premier pass rushers, and make things happen. And I think that could end up flipping this game on its ear. So I'll take the Cowboys against the Chiefs. What is your upset of the week? I like that. I like that pick a lot, actually. Um, I am going to take Pittsburgh who is plus six against the Chargers uh, to cover and beat the Chargers, actually. I don't really play with this this spread stuff. I always go for who's going to win the game, and I think they can do it. They're also a team fighting to make it to the playoffs. And the Chargers, for me, they just have not looked good the last month and a half. So I got Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a game I looked at as well. I just I don't know if I believe in Pittsburgh, particularly given that I don't think Roethlisberger's been cleared yet. And if you get Mason Rudolph in a game, I just am never picking Mason Rudolph to win a football game. Oh, that's all on the assumption that Roethlisberger is playing. I figured, but that's not a given at the moment. 
So let's go to start sit for the week. This is, again, standard 10-team half PPR scoring. J.D. McKissick versus the Carolina Panthers. Start or sit? Uh, sit. With Gibson healthy and rolling, I just don't really know how much of a spot there is for J.D. Agreed. I pretty much think that if uh, the Washington football team doesn't fall behind, it's not a J.D. McKissick week. And so I, I do think that with the renewed energy of Antonio Gibson, I think he gets the ball a lot more. McKissick's touches are not great. And Carolina actually gives up the least amount of points receiving two running backs currently this year. Michael Carter versus the Miami Dolphins. Start or sit? You know, the matchup is great. Uh, it sounds like Joe Flacco is starting at quarterback this week. I think they're going to try to help him out as best they can. So I do see him getting the ball a lot out of the backfield uh, through carries and through little dump offs. So I got start for Michael Carter. Tevin Coleman is back for this game. I don't necessarily know how much that's going to eat into his regular touches or if it'll eat into his goal line touches. I think he's been in the end zone three out of the last four weeks, if memory serves me. And right now, I don't know what kind of quarterback we're going to get out of Joe Flacco if he's just going to constantly dump the ball down like Mike White did. I don't think Mike White threw the ball beyond 10 yards down the field. And so really the beneficiaries of that were Ty Johnson and Michael Carter the last few weeks. But with Joe Flacco starting, I really don't know what this offense is going to look like. And the last remembrance I have of him was not necessarily as a check down quarterback because I still think he has that big arm. I honestly would lean towards sitting him given what we've seen out of the Miami defense the last couple of weeks, even though Michael Carter has been kind of on a hot streak. Jared Cook versus the Pittsburgh Steelers start or sit. Uh, tight end question. I don't know. You're basically asking me if he's going to score a touchdown. So sure. Jared Cook will score a touchdown. So I'm going to go start. I have no reason whatsoever to start him when, we just saw a couple of weeks ago that the Chargers will spread the ball around to all of their tight ends if they're in a good tight end matchup. And most times the ball is going to Keenan Allen, it's going to Austin Eckler, and then third, it's going to Mike Williams. And then you might get one of the other tight ends. I still don't know what this offense is supposed to be, so I really don't have a ton of confidence starting most of my Chargers offensive players at this point in time. I think it's a sit for me. I think there are better options even uh, available on free agents at the moment. Rondale Moore versus the Seattle Seahawks. Start or sit? Wasn't he on your cut list the other day? I don't remember. For I don't think reason, he was. I, I think so. So for that reason, I'm going to go sit. Again, I think this is dependent on whether Kyler's playing or not, but they really have not found a lot of great ways to get him the football and in space in the way that he needs to be utilized. I think that year two might be his breakout, but for right now, I don't think his usable fantasy options are there. I do think that it has a bit of difference if for whatever reason, new Hopkins is just not able to go. And I think that the Cardinals are being overly careful with him, given the fact that he came back in that green Bay game and then hurt himself again. And they had to kind of protect him from himself, trying to put himself back in the game. So I think they're going to be extra, extra cautious trying to bring him back so that he's there for the playoffs because I think it's a given that the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, let alone uh, win the division at this point. But I don't know. This is a tough one. If it's if it's Colton McCoy again, I say absolutely no. If it's Kyler, I think there's a chance, but you're doing it on the basis that any of these Cardinals wide receivers could pop at any one time. But I think I would rank them Christian Kirk number one, A.J. Green, two, and Rondell Moore, three. If you want to take the third best option on the Cardinals team this weekend, I guess I'll be it to you because the ceiling's probably pretty high. But that means also that the floor is pretty damn low. Mike Williams versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Start or sit? I'm going to go sit because that is what I'm doing with him. But I guess to my... To my point, it's one of those things like when the Chargers were reeling and when they were doing well, Mike Williams was getting the football. And now they have just gone away from him for God knows what reason, but uh, it's a sit until he proves otherwise. For the sake of time, I will 100% agree and not add a thing. Let's go to Nuke Hopkins versus Seattle. If he is healthy, do you start it? I'm sitting him just to see how healthy he is. You know, I, I feel like I could take that chance. But because it's just one of those injuries. Yeah, I definitely agree. I again, I don't think there's really anything to add that I haven't already said. Allen Robinson versus the Baltimore Ravens. Start or sit? 
you know, he, um, I felt like the bears played so long ago. Um, he did have that one great game. No, not great game, but you, you felt like him and fields were kind of getting on more of the same page. So it's looking up. I'm not quite there yet, but it's looking up. I'd like to see more from Justin Fields as a passer before I'm really truly able to say, okay, he's going to have opportunities. He's going to be targeted because most of what the bears offense has been based around is a lot of the ground and pound so far this season and trying to run with either Justin Fields or with David Montgomery or Khalil Herbert. So they had one decent game before the bye week against the Steelers that has aided them significantly. I don't know if they're going to get that again after the bye week, but you usually look for rookies to take a step forward after the bye week in their rookie season. So if that's going to be the case, then maybe you'll hit one. But again, I'm not, unless I need an absolute desperate play, he's not a guy I would necessarily feel comfortable with compared to some of the other options I probably have. Zach Moss versus the Indianapolis Colts. Start or sit? I'm going to go sit. I just think that this game is kind of going to turn into a, I don't know. I just don't think it works out very well for Zach Moss. I can't really explain why. Honestly, I really can't because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, but I don't think that Buffalo is going to do it on the ground. I think they're going to do it through the air. Stefan Diggs kind of got his groove back these last couple of weeks. I think that uh, they're going to try to get Josh Allen going as well for this nice little stretch. And then, you know, Indianapolis, they're going to, do what they do with Jonathan Taylor and kind of uh, shorten the game up by running the ball. I, I just don't think it, it scripts out well for Zach Moss. I don't think so either. Uh, just personally, simply put the Indianapolis defense is good at stopping the run, but are terrible against the pass. And that's exactly what Buffalo wants to do with their game plan. So I would expect that Josh Allen's going to have a nice day against this Indianapolis defense that got torched a couple of different times this season, including the Titans twice and the uh, uh, Baltimore defense in the fourth quarter, excuse me, the Baltimore offense in the fourth quarter of that Monday night football game that we remember so well. I just don't necessarily see him getting the benefit of a lot of touches. And if you're looking for the running back who's going to end up catching more balls out of the backfield, it's probably more Devin Singletary, even though I wouldn't be comfortable with Singletary either in this game. So for me, he's also a set. Tyler Boyd versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Start or sit? You know, Tyler Boyd, I feel like he's kind of a boomer bust guy in this in this situation. We know like how bad Las Vegas defense looked this past week. So that makes it look a little enticing. But we also know Tyler Boyd isn't the first or second option on that offense either. It's Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, those are the guys that kind of make the thing go. So I'm going to go with sit for Tyler Boyd because I do think Vegas bounces back. I'm not even sure he's the third option right now. In certain games where they have to go up tempo and they're playing a more 11 personnel, maybe. But right now, I think Joe Mixon is actually the third best target on that team. So if that's going to be the case, he's down there with the target share of probably a CJ Uzama at this point in time. So no, I don't think you should start him at all for whatever reason uh, that you seem to think that he would be at all beneficial. T. Higgins, as long as he's healthy, and Jamar Chase have already proven that they're the top studs in this offense. Chase one, Higgins two, and I don't think there's much drop-off from one to the other, although Chase has been around more given that Higgins was injured, but Higgins has demanded more targets since he's been back uh, than even Chase at this point. I just don't see the ball being thrown around the yard nearly as much as it was last year, enough to warrant three fantasy-relevant pass catchers in this offense. Finally, we have Hunter Renfro versus those same Cincinnati Bengals. Start or sit? I'm going to go start. Hunter Renfro is leading the Raiders in, in receiving. He almost has 500 yards, four touchdowns, 52 catches. He's kind of one of those target monsters that's it's going to get a lot of decent receptions, and he has a pretty good knack of finding his way into the end zone. So I'm going to go Hunter Renfro, kind of de- – or. Derek Carr's um, safety blanket. I almost said David Carr. Holy cow. <laughs> Don't worry. That's happened before this year. I think Dana did that on one of the episodes he was guesting on. Regardless, <laughs> I'll be with you on that uh, analysis right there. He's been very valuable to the Raiders so far. He's become kind of the safety blanket that Darren Waller had been going into the season. And he's gotten a ton of the target share so far for that team. I don't see anybody in the Cincinnati defense that's going to be capable of locking him down long-term with the amount of routes that he does 
and uh, route combinations. He gets into the end zone usually once every two weeks, which isn't great because he got into the end zone last weekend. So maybe he won't this weekend, but I think he would be a strong flex consideration. I'd be wary of putting him in one of my top two wide receiver spots, but I think especially in a PPR format, he's definitely worth starting. So I'll be right with you on that one. Actually, I would say he's Cooper Cup light this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Poor man's Cooper Cup. Well, they trained in the offseason together, and that's how they developed a lot of their route combinations. But so you hear it here first, folks. Train with other good athletes. It might help you. Underrated studs of the week. These are guys going outside of the top 10 that we think will finish inside the top 10. First up, we have my underrated quarterback of the week. I have Tua Tagovailoa against the Jets. He has been throwing the ball a ton since he came back from his initial injury. And yes, I know he missed two weeks ago, but even in the portion that he came back against Baltimore last week, and he was uh, really still hampered by that finger injury, he still threw the ball well, and he still got things going. And I think this is going to be a good matchup for him against the Jets, who just gave up a ton of yards to the Bills, that still don't have a defensive identity and really don't know exactly what they're doing. I think that the Dolphins are actually trending up at the moment with a coach that I still really like. And that I think Tua has started to show signs of improvement that we were expecting out of him when he originally came out of college. Because right now, even though it was tank for Tua at the time, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have clearly been ahead of him so far in their careers. Who is your underrated quarterback of the week? Underrated quarterback of the week is Jalen Hurts. I, for whatever reason, he's outside the top 10 and I, I don't understand why. Pretty much a pretty consistent finisher inside the top 10 quarterback. Um, as of right now, he's tied with Lamar Jackson for most um, yards or most runs of over 10 yards for a quarterback, both at 20. R- highest passer rating in red zone. He is number two behind Kirk Cousins, of all people. Um, he's just been having a great year, so I'm going Jalen Hurts. <laughs> well, I can tell you why he's a little bit underrated this week. The defense he's going against is New Orleans, who happens to be the second best rushing defense in the league and gives up some of the fewest points against rushing quarterbacks. And also he hasn't shown the ability to throw the ball consistently and they have decent corners on that team. I think he's actually going to struggle a little bit in this game, just personally. And he's also had his three worst fantasy finishes the last three weeks. So we'll see what he's actually made of. If he does end up producing a good game and there's a possibility he does, because he's had a really good floor so far this season, then yes, I think he's proven he is a top 10 quarterback here to stay at least as long as he's a fantasy starter, I would put him into my lineup. But that being said, I understand why the rankers this week probably have him a little underrated. My running back of the week, I'll take James Conner versus the Seattle Seahawks. Even if Kyler is back in this game, you can't expect him to run the football a lot. They're not going to have Chase Edmonds for this game. Eno Benjamin apparently was uh, or has a lingering injury from last week. So James Conner might be the only option, and they really need to get their running game going and are going to have to pound it on the uh, ground when they get in close. I expect him to have a lot of goal line carries, have possibly multiple touchdowns in this game, even though Seattle looked good against Green Bay's defense or excuse me, Green Bay's offense last week. I expect him to have another one of those days kind of close but not quite to the level that he did two weeks ago against the 49ers. Who is your underrated running back of the week? My underrated running back of the week is James Conner. You know, the same exact reasons for what you said. I was going to change it once I saw yours and I'm like, now, man, this is, this is a lock. Like this is a, for sure top 10 running back this week. So I'm going James Conner short and sweet. All right. My underrated wide receiver of the week. Give me Amari Cooper versus the Kansas city chiefs. I know that they kind of locked down the Raiders last week who have a great and dynamic passing attack, but the Raiders also couldn't really run the football consistently. And I think that Dallas clearly can. So I think this is a game that they're going to ground it early and then take some deeper shots here and there. And I think that the chiefs are going to roll a lot more coverage to CD lamb, leaving Amari Cooper open for a lot of opportunities. So give me Amari Cooper in a game that I think could be very high scoring. I think he actually might get in the end zone this weekend. So who is your underrated wide receiver of the week? I'm going Debo, another person that I just cannot believe is outside the top 10. Somebody who you said earlier in the show is just getting more and more involved in the offense, in the backfield, you know, doing stuff at wide receiver. Big play guy is just having an outstanding year. Debo Samuel uh, must start 
every single week. My only issue with that one was, is the Jacksonville passing defense has been actually pretty good the last few weeks. And so I didn't know if he would get the same amount of uh, dynamic receiving plays, but if he does get into the backfield, I mean, there, this guy might be the next Cordero Patterson as far as we're concerned. And that's already adding to a guy that was top five at the position for wide receiver already. Underrated tight end of the week. I'm going to go with Tyler Conklin versus Green Bay. The Vikings always get up for the Green Bay games. And right now, I think Green Bay has been all right, but hasn't necessarily been the greatest against tight ends in the seam of the field. We already saw two or three weeks ago that Ricky Seals Jones had a big game. Gerald Everett had a big game receiving last week against them for Seattle. I actually think that Conklin it might be the safety blanket for Kirk Cousins to get them down the field in a game that the Vikings desperately need to win. I think he ends up coming up with a lot of big plays in this one to keep this game a lot closer than it probably should be or that we might expect going in. Give me Tyler Conklin versus Green Bay. Well, who is your underrated tight end of the week, or should I say the most likely to fall in the end zone? Ah, no, no, no. This week I am going Dan Arnold and it, it is not an end zone one. This guy is yet to score a touchdown this year, but over the last three weeks, he has 10 targets, seven targets, eight targets, and all over 60 yards receiving. Like I said, hasn't scored a touchdown, but the targets are there and the yards are there. And he's been very, very consistent over the course of the last month. So I'm going to go Dan Arnold, tight end to have. Nice. I like it. I like it. Defensive stream of the week. Did you actually pick one? I got a damn defense. All right. First up, though, we'll take mine. I'm going to go with Philadelphia versus the New Orleans Saints. We already saw last week that the Saints are going to have a lot of problems, especially if they're Sands, uh, Alvin Kamara. I think if they have both Ingram and Kamara, that they'll be a little bit better, but they still don't have a dynamic wide receiver on the team. I really think that they're missing something as far as explosive plays down the field. And even they know that everything's short intermediate routes. And that's fine right now with a backup quarterback and Trevor Simeon for the rest of the year. But I think that they're going to be very limited in what they can do. And the Eagles defense has forced a lot of turnovers, been pretty good two out of the last three weeks. So give me them at 14% owned currently in Yahoo leagues against the New Orleans defense this weekend. Who is your defensive stream? My defensive stream this week is going to be the Washington football team against Carolina. Um, a lot of what they did against the Buccaneers last week had something to do with it too. And then also it's Cam Newton's first week back. I expect him to be a little bit rusty. I expect him, you know, chemistry to be a little bit off. Um, you know, I wouldn't surprise, be surprised for a couple of turnovers. So I got the Washington defense. I know everybody's saying Chase Young is going to be out, and so that's going to hamper the Washington football team. But they still have three other first-round picks along that defensive front, and they're no joke as far as their defensive line. It's been everywhere else on the field that hasn't been as consistent. And even though the defensive line hasn't been great at times, they've actually been really good the last few weeks. So even with Chase Young out, I do believe that they're going to have a much better time faring against Cam Newton than some other teams that aren't as dominant in their front end. All right, let's go to long shots of the week. These are guys going outside the top 20. We think we'll finish inside the top 10 at the position. First up for me, Hollywood Brown, for whatever reason, is ranked outside the top 20, given his amount of targets and how well he's produced so far this season. I think he's been a top five wide receiver for the season overall so far, and he gets to play a Chicago defense that's been inconsistent in the back end and against Lamar Jackson, who's been dynamic. I don't understand this one, but give me Hollywood Brown versus the Bears. Who is your first long shot of the week? My first long shot of the week is Hollywood Brown. Um, double stamp, triple stamp, quadruple stamp, everything you said. I cannot believe he's outside the top 20. He's like in the top five for the year for fantasy points at wide receiver. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, yeah, I wasn't changing it either. Hollywood Brown. Yeah, and he's good for just about double-digit targets per week, so I really don't understand this one either. From the same game, though, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. The Baltimore defense is not great. We already saw that some of the younger quarterbacks can get them as far as points and uh, ability to get yards. So Justin Fields, I'm looking for him to make the leap after the bye week uh, based on what we saw against Pittsburgh two weeks ago. I, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk on this one, but he's a guy currently going outside the top 20 
who also can add with his legs, and that's going to bring his floor up. If he has at all a decent passing game against this Ravens defense that has given up a lot of yards through the air, I think he could have an excellent day. He is my second long shot of the week. Who is your second long shot of the week? Uh, I'm going Miles Gaskin against the Jets. I do think that Miami kind of controls this game from start to finish. I think they're going to control it with the running game. I think he'll have a touchdown, maybe two. So I'm going to go with Miles Gaskin with Joe Flacco on the other side. I just, I, I think it just scripts out really well for him. You could very well be right. Although I'm not rooting for it since I guess I'm playing somebody that has him this weekend. I think <laughs> I don't remember, but anyway, Over-unders for the week. Let's just recap last week's over-unders. More receptions, DeAndre Swift or Najee Harris. You took DeAndre Swift. I went with Najee just to cut against the green. And actually, Najee won four receptions to three receptions. So I got that one. Over-under, three and a half field goals made by the Saints and Titans combined. We both went over on that one. It was four. So we both got that one as well. More receptions in the game. Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore for against the Arizona Cardinals. We both took Christian McCaffrey. It was 10 to four in favor of Christian McCaffrey, which is insane. Uh, more fantasy points last weekend, Justin Jefferson or Mike Williams. We both took Mike Williams. That did not work out for you. It worked out for me because I have Jefferson on my team. Jefferson won that one easily 21.4 to 5.3 fantasy points. Finally, more passing yards. We both took Derek Carr over Patrick Mahomes. And that did not work out at all for either of us. 406 yards to 261. Yeah, that was that was not close. So for the season, I had three and two last week. You had two and three. Uh, that makes me 25 and 24 overall. You're 22 and 23. And Dana is three and two from that one week that he had. So this week, I got a fresh new five set for you. First up, we're going to go with 99 and a half rushing yards for Dalvin Cook versus the Green Bay Packers. Over or under? You know, historically, Dalvin has done very, very well against Green Bay in the past. Um, but that being said, I don't think he's ever played against a Green Bay defense that's been this good. So I'm going to take the under. I think his biggest game last season was that weird game where it was in the wind in like October and was the last game that Green Bay lost before they went into the NFC championship game and lost versus the Buccaneers. And I think in that game, he had like over 120 yards rushing and like over a 50 yard reception touchdown in that game as well. So I don't expect him to put up his record numbers, but he always plays well against Green Bay, but I'm with you. I, I'm going to take the under. I just don't think he'll quite get there. I think he could get somewhere in the range of 70 to 80 yards and a touchdown in this game. But I also don't think that the Vikings have been running the ball as well and really have not been play calling or scheming him into better spaces like they were last season when they had Gary Kubiak as their coordinator by comparison to his son. All right, next one up, we have more rushing yards this weekend. Lamar or David Montgomery? And I love doing this question. Yeah, this one sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, with Lamar being sick this past week, uh, I, I think that's the only reason I'm going to take David Montgomery. But I think if he wasn't, I would take Lamar, but I'm taking David Montgomery. I think I'm with you. The last time that he was like really ill, I think he played the Lions and that was the game that they really had a dud. So I'll go David Montgomery too, just because I think the Bears defense is more susceptible to the pass than the run. So I'll go Montgomery, but reluctantly, because the last two times I've done this question, it's been Lamar. Ten and a half rush, or excuse me, ten and a half points scored by the Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. Over or under? I'm going to take the under. I, I, I really don't. I, you have this faith in Joe Flacco. I just don't have. What, what faith no, is that? I mean, because from what, from what you said earlier, you think he'll be throwing down the field a little bit more and everything like that. I just don't think, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not there. So I'm going to take the under. From what we saw from Russell Wilson last weekend, just because you throw it down the field doesn't mean it's going to be completed. I don't necessarily think he's going to dump off. I think he's going to take more shots, but that doesn't mean he's at all good. I, I really don't I have faith in him. I wasn't coming at yeah. I was just saying, using you as an example. Yeah, I have never believed in Joe Flacco, even when he won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'll take See, the under that on year, this one. I actually did. That year, I actually did. I was one of the bigger Joe Flacco fans. I used to call him Joe Cool. And how did that work out for you? He won a Super Bowl that year. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really remember that one. 
But given the fact that the Raiders, or excuse me, the Ravens have won two Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco, and I really can't verify which one was which in which game, I I think that's saying something. All right, uh, 25 and a half rushing attempts by the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. Over or under? I'm going to take the under. I just don't know if they're going to be in the game that long to have that many if they have that many rushing attempts, that means they're controlling the game and, and they're winning. I just don't have them winning this game. The last three weeks, they've seen an incredible uptick in the amount of carries that they've given to guys by comparison to earlier in the year when they barely ran the football at all. There's talk that Miles Sanders is going to come back, so I think they're going to try and somehow revert to not running the football. But that being said, again, New Orleans is a tough rushing defense. I think if the Eagles actually uh, are game planning this correctly, they probably will go away from tendency the last couple of weeks and throw the ball a lot more than they run the ball. So I'm also going to go under. 699.5 total yards of offense by the Cowboys and Chiefs combined, over or under? And that's a good one. That's a lot of yards, though. That's a lot of yards. So I'm going to take the under, but I do think that this is going to be a very exciting offensive game, but that's a lot of yards. I'm going to live on the edge. I'm going to go over. Why not? That's a lot of yards. That's a lot of yards. That's a lot of yards for two teams that have potentially explosive offenses and defenses that can be susceptible to the big play. I'm going to go there. Why not? I almost went with 799 and a half yards, but I I toned it back just because there's the the chance that one of these offenses is dud. I'll I'll take the over. I want to live on the edge and and really watch this game because it's going to be after the Packer game. It's that uh, afternoon spot. I want a game that I can really sink my teeth into. I think this is going to be the one. So give me the over. Why not? Any last thoughts for the week? Nah, man. Ready to get it going. How uh, how are we feeling as a dynasty team at the moment? Um, Got to get healthy, but we've been scrapping some wins out. We're, we're in control of our own destiny. If we win, we should be jumping up to, what, third third overall seed. So, yeah, I mean, everything is still ahead of us, but just got to get healthy. What about you? Well, I mean, my, my team's basically been out of it. I know I'm one game out of the playoff spots, and technically if I could just string together a couple of wins here, and I, I do play a couple of teams that are at least within the range of being beaten, but given my team this year, I just don't necessarily feel confident that's going to happen. I've had a lot of really close losses, including two points this last week. So I don't know. It's tough to say that my team is going to produce anything at all. I have almost no confidence. And it, especially if I end up making any last minute trades here with our trade deadline on Saturday, that uh, I would expect that my team is probably going to be put together with paper mache. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to recap week 11. But until then. Until then, good luck, everyone. Talk to you next week. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM. <laughs>